Welcome back. You're now listening to part two of my interview with Jerome Bazemore. In this section, he talks about his first couple of, so- of assignments. I think you'll find it very interesting. But uh, yeah, back to my night. My first job was I worked at LRS. Well, back then, we were just called Supply Squadron. And I was a pickup and delivery driver. So pretty much, I was a glorified UPS guy. I just picked up this part from the warehouse and drove it out to the flight line and dropped it off, made sure they signed copy one and three. Right. <laughs> and I was good. And how'd you like being a supply troop? Supply wasn't bad. You know, looking back, and I guess there is when I first realized that the military, especially now, is a cross-section of the American populace as a whole. Because whatever we have outside the gate is I'm sorry to say, good, bad, and ugly, and indifferent to what we have inside the gate. Right. For the most part. Minot was weird because, like I said, I grew up in Texas, and going from 64 degrees to minus 32 (laughs) in one day (laughs) is is a big culture shock. You know, because all all I had on was like a little. Chicago Bulls windbreaker that my grandmother gave me from Chicago. See, I had to reverse because I went from Pittsburgh in October to Phoenix, Arizona. Oh. So I came off with my coat and everything, and the heat hit us before we even got off the plane. Yeah. <laughs> it was so bad. It's back at, they didn't even have the uh, what it, jet, jet wave, the little suction cup looking thingies that will you know, hook up to the plane. Right. So you, you know, know how to deal with the elements. Right. They didn't have that. <laughs> Back then, in 90, you had to get off the plane, run across the tarmac, and into the terminal. So you got to understand. Here I am. When they opened that door, they said, "Hey, welcome." When we landed, say, "Welcome to mine." That where the temperature is minus 32. I was asleep. I was like, "What? What? What did you just say?" And the lady next to me, said, "Yeah, baby, it's, it's 32 below. Below what?" <laughs> so it was so bad. When they opened the door, you can audibly hear the, the plastic stiffening oh my goodness in the plane and the metal all of that it was like this <laughs> noise like some mess out of the movies like, <laughs> and the bad thing about it you that wind was howling and the, the flight attendant had the little short sleeve shirt on and she was standing there shivering you know as soon as the door came open yeah. and she was like all right hurry up i need you all off my plane so we can hurry up turn and get out of here <laughs> So, yeah, I remember I hit that wind, and I remember like I had to pee. <laughs> that wind hit me, and I had to pee anymore. <laughs> I ran across that tar back and went in, went in the building, and I would just, just, that wind cut through you like a knife back back then. Yeah. So, you obviously decided to stay after your uh, first tour. So I guess mine I wasn't too bad. You, no, no, no. Um, one thing I can admit about it, Minot, is everybody jailed together. Because I remember as a first-term airman getting out of mom and dad's house and start buying things on your own and you don't always make the best decisions and don't always hang out with the, with the best people. Right. But the one thing, I had bought a little Hyundai and you know us, I had it, I had it hooked up and ready. <laughs> I had bought me two 12 subs in there. I had, uh, I was going to get the little fluorescent lights that you can go and stick under the car. Yeah. And my friend had that. I had the booming system. All I needed was the <laughs> lights and all that stuff. And 
start hanging around with the wrong crowd. The little armchair lawyers, people who hate the military, the drinkers, you know, all that stuff. And I was going down the wrong, wrong, wrong path. And I guess out of the group I had, it was, wow, it's funny I remember all these names. <laughs> like yesterday, it was me, Benny, Steve, and Gary. There was four of us in our little group. And we all did the, the whole rebel against the parish thing. Everybody went and got earrings. Everybody ran and got tattoos. Everybody ran. And we were doing anything you could do. Anything, yeah, anything you could do. And we had a little Saturday morning barbershop going on. Everybody had a little, I don't know why we did this. Everybody had a little liquor. Then, <laughs> then you know, mine, I had an 18-year-old drinking waiver. You couldn't oh, have, okay. you know, beer and, and wine. You couldn't have hard liquor. It's because they were trying to keep us on bases. You can drive a, 10 minutes up the road and go to Canada at 18 and drink all you want. Right. Okay. So back then, I think they got rid of it since then. I don't know. We, we probably messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'd all have our little beers because, like I said, we're rebelling against our parents because, yeah, I'm 18 and I can drink now. Yeah, woo! Mama can't see me! <laughs> Just messing up by the numbers. Um, I guess, in, in a put everything in perspective, Steve got in trouble. Z from Hampton, Virginia. We were, it seemed like a giant Petri dish. Because you had four friends from four corners of the, of the continental United States. And they throw, the, throw us all at Mida. <laughs> Steve was from Hampton, Virginia. He's from the hood. I'm a military brat, but my dad retired at Carswell. Okay. And he moved to Dallas. So the streets were calling me, too. I got involved in some things I had no business doing. I got involved in gangs and all that stuff. And I'm the tough guy, so... I'm, I didn't necessarily bring that stuff into the Air Force, but I didn't, I didn't put it all the way away, right. I guess the best way to say it. So, Benny, Benny was our, was, was our stereo dude. This dude, he was a little, um, what was Benny? I think Benny was Filipino. But anything you can drink, dream of, Benny could figure out how to configure it and put it in your car. He helped me put my, my subs in my car. <laughs> He put the, his little fluorescent, he, was, he had figured out how to wire his fluorescent lights on his car right. to, to the stereo. He had done everything. He attended his own windows in the parking lot. We had our, <laughs> we had our little stereo install. We were, yeah, we were doing all kinds of stuff. We were installing stereos in the dorms, installing stereos in cars in the dorms. We had our little, we had it. Gary, Gary was just confused. <laughs> he was my boy. We called him D-Rock. That was my boy. He was from um, Minnesota. But Gary was funny. I guess Gary was with the Tiger Woods of, of Minot Air Force Base because okay. he was interracial. And I'm a mutt too, really. But I don't. I, I just check African Americans. I really don't know. What <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm blessed with great strength, but I sunburn. So I don't know what. Yeah. I really don't. And yeah. Uh, Going back to Gary, Gary went home one time on leave and did drugs and came back to Minot, and this is where he got in trouble. The food kept running his mouth. I went home on leave. I snorted this, smoked that, and we were all like, Gary, shut up. Gary, shut up. Your supervisor started to read like this. Shut up. So, yeah, um... Sergeant Green was the mandatory reporter. He overheard the conversation. So he had to do what he had to do. I understand. Right. So now all of a sudden, all of us are getting mandatory pee tested. Gary, of course, his pee isn't clean. 
he goes, he gets the 15 and they're processing him out of the military. And back then, like you, like I was, yeah, I don't think we mentioned it earlier, but I was working as a bouncer off base as well, okay. just because, hey, I need to buy my stereo equipment. Right. So I'm working in the, in the club off base and just trying to finance our little operation. We didn't really have one, but we were just buying all kind of, every time you turn on, we were between the stereo installations and whatnot, the cops were always at our door. We had our music cranking and they were just jealous and trying to figure out what we had. It, right. I understand. And it doesn't help that the cops, the dorm was like right across, you could throw a rock and hit the cop dorm. Oh. And the cop headquarters were like right across the street. So it, it wasn't rocket science. They could yeah. hear us yeah. or they could see us. Right. So they always be coming over messing with us. And our first sergeant got involved. He got tired. He, had, he used to be a, he was a cop before he became a shirt too. So he went over there and started chewing some butt and they left us alone after that. As long as we didn't make too much noise, they right. didn't bother us anymore. And so I guess the big circle of life, Steve got in trouble. He went home on leave and went AWOL. Because um, something had happened with his sister. I don't remember. What, I think his sister had gotten pregnant and started having complications. And he called her Dada. And that was, that was his sister's nickname. And he called me once. He was like, hey, man, something wrong with Dada. And we talked about it a little bit. I said, well, what do you want to do? Steve was a little wild. Steve was crazy. He was like, man, if that, I ain't coming back. I guess the best way to say it, keep it, right. keep it clean. That was the last time I talked to Steve at that point. So I'm like, uh, and I hung the phone up. Sorry. Son Green was Gary's and Steve's supervisor. Both of them worked out there on the flight line in the, uh, what's it called, aircraft parts store. But it kept right. all the, yes. the spare tires and nose gear and all kinds of the spare stuff they normally go through on the flight line. They kept it in, in the forward supply point. Right. They worked up there. Since I was cool with them too. It was at first just Steve and Gary getting P-tested. Now they find out we all hung together. Now me and Vinny are getting P-tested with these folks. And it, it got to the point, it was funny, we all called it the appointment. Because <laughs> it was like every Friday at about between 10 and 1, we all knew somebody right. had to go pee. And it, it was so funny, we had a little coffee mug and we put it in on each other. We we didn't have desks back then, we had cubbies. We It was a coffee cup that rolled to, between all of our cubbies. So that was, a, you know, the signs that you got to pee. Right. And that was just our little inside joke. Because, you know, pee in a cup. Right. So... Long story short, they had to go arrest Steve in Virginia. Because, you know, he, he said those famous words like Custer's Last Stand or, you know, I'm a Scarface, say hello to my little friend. Steve was F that, I ain't coming back. But at the time, he didn't come to the realization that we were entering the digital age. So nowadays, they can find you anything iPads, smartphones. Back then, it was your ATM card. Because, you know, sooner or later, you're going to need some money. Right. So that's how they found him. He, <laughs> and he wasn't too far from home. Of course not. So this fool, I had just used his ATM card. And since they had it flagged already, all they had to do was call the police. And by the time Steve walked outside with his little $40 he had withdrew, because he told me, they were waiting on him. You know, he went peacefully, peacefully, excuse me. He was like maybe AWOL 10 days. They tried to give him time to come back, you know. Right. So they flew him, they, it wasn't necessarily an extradition, but they made him get on a bus or plane and come back to Minot and go to 
back then we had correctional custody. Put him in CC and all that stuff, and we're processing him out. So long story short, Steve gets kicked out. Before he does, this fool decides he's going to become, a, yeah, a trafficker. I guess that's the best <laughs> the other way to put it. Like I said, we all had our little stereo right. installation group or whatever. So Steve had a friend back home before the days of eBay and all this stuff who had a, a 1,200-watt amp. And I wanted this thing. Man, it was called an Ampenstein. It was, one, it was cool. The thing was huge. But they had built it where at the top of it was plexiglass. You saw the little circuitry, and they put some LEDs in there, so right. it would light up when power was going through there. And I wanted it. So Steve called his friend, and they were going to ship this thing up FedEx. I had no problem with it. I was going to buy the ant for, you know, $200, which seemed like big money back then. Right. It was used and all that stuff. So, yeah, I got him the money together and do the FedEx amp up. But Steve didn't explain to me that he had, did a side deal with the oh, dudes. No. Guess what they used as packing material in oh, this app no. that was addressed to me. No. Yes. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> yes, sir. The, the weed, a.k.a. cannabis, a.k.a. I can't even come up with no, the sticky icky. <laughs> it was used as packing material around this amplifier. I didn't know this. Not cool. Steve is on a, is AWOL. Right. So I'm... Yeah, I'm at work, and I get a note. Hey, you need to go see the first shot. I go see the shirt. I knew something was up because he wouldn't. He couldn't look directly. He wouldn't look directly at me. And I'm like, "What's going on, shirt?" He's like, look, I can't discuss this with you, but you need to go to security forces investigations now. Something wrong? I can't talk about it. Okay. So I go to security forces. This is funny. <laughs> but it wasn't at the yeah. time. Yeah, it wasn't at the time. No, it was serious at the time. I'm just, it was funny recollecting all this stuff because yeah. I buried it. I didn't really bury it, but I forgot about that. Right. So I get up there to security forces, and this is back when they had that two way mirror, or was it one way? Yeah, whatever. one way. They could oh, see you, yeah, you, you, can't you see could them. see them. Yeah. So I walk up to this, it like a giant plexiglass mirror, and all I heard on the intercom was like, Please step forward. And I stepped forward, and they were like, uh, of course, I'm in uniform. You can read my name. This is when we had the little stupid air crew patch. Remember yes. that? Oh, yes. So, yeah, you can read. I was close enough where you can read it. Yeah, I'm in Baysmore, yes. I'm in Rome, Baysmore, yes. Please present your ID card and slide in the tray. This, this tray comes out like you had the bank. The yep, school bank. Yeah, yeah. Stuck my little ID card in there. As the tray is closing, I see the door open, <laughs> and four security forces cops come right behind me. The weapons weren't drawn, but they had some handcuffs and all this stuff ready, at the ready. So I turned around, I'm like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? And they're all like, hey, uh, what's the word they can use? You're being detained. I said, you can I'll be detained or whatever, but for you all, one of me, I'm already here. I ain't putting them handcuffs on. And I was like, you can't make me do it. They were like, you get the little eye roll, fine. Yeah. <laughs> so... Just you know, a friend would say, "Walk with me." So I walked with them and everything, and they started going through, giving me the riot act and reading me rights and all that stuff. And they were like, asking about my roommate, name is redacted. Yes. <laughs> about all this stuff and the goings on. We, we had several noise complaints and everything, and you know, from loud stereos and so on and so forth. 
I didn't have a problem with that. So we were talking and <laughs> I had to explain why. And they were like, well, we started talking about the amplifier and they started describing to me. And you know, I'm like, yeah, that, that Steve connection back in Hampton and all this stuff. And what was in the box? I said, I don't know. From what I understand, it was an amplifier. There was nothing else in the box. Turned out, who? <laughs> and all they had was just, it was, they couldn't get a hold of Steve. Oh. So it was just me. Right. And the, like I said, the box, it was from some other some address in Hampton, Virginia. Steve sounded really smart. Yeah, he was a real smart kid. <laughs> and it was, like I said, it was addressed to me and it was coming on to the post office on base. That's real smart. Yeah, the shipping company, I'm not going to say who it was, they're going to go ahead and let this thing go through, but they're going to catch who it is on the other end. Right. If they don't catch the person who sent it. Right. So they had already, I guess, alerted the authorities that this was on its way and intercepts whoever comes to pick this up. Right. Someone that's spilling my guts, and I didn't, I'm, yeah. I've been jackasses. I was giving them snide comments and everything. I had no clue <laughs> what was in this box aside from my amplifier. <laughs> and I wasn't putting two, two and two together. Right. I think I watched that movie, Godfather and Scarface, <laughs> one time too many. <laughs> At the time, yeah. I'm being a smart butt. And it really didn't have anything on me because I never alluded to anything else. That was, they were trying to give me enough rope where I would hang myself. Right. I never alluded to anything besides the amplifier. Right. So now they needed Steve's word. It made me look weird that now Steve was still AWOL and they can't find him during that, that time. Right. So they were like, look, <clears throat> your roommate, so we're going to let you go. But we're monitoring your movements, and if your roommate calls, you call us immediately. Back there, going to try to guess, backtrace the phone, figure out where he is. And yeah, at the time he had used his ATM card and they had got him. And that's when we crossed paths. This fool's in correctional custody. Marching down the street, security forces and like four other people. I think I was like pumping gas. <laughs> At the uh, the on base, yeah, gas station. This fool has the nerve to bust out laughing loud, marching down the street as he passes me, and now he's in trouble for for talking. To us. Right. So I, yeah, he he finally went after they I guess interrogated him. Yeah. And. He spilled the beans on himself and said, I, I knew nothing about it. And they let me let me go. But he was being he got kicked out. Um, he got kicked out. Gary got kicked out about the same time. And it was down to me and Benny. Benny Benny was older, but he already had some problems. Like he was married. <laughs> I guess give you the backstory on Benny. <laughs> we all had issues. The backstory on Benny, I worked as a bouncer of course, so yeah, we'll talk about me later. <laughs> but back on Benny, Benny got divorced. He and this one guy, it's bad story. Benny was married to this girl first. They had, I guess, they had did the separation of communal property, I guess the best way to say it. And they couldn't figure out who gets the vacuum cleaner. Because back then it was that, that Uber. Yeah, I'm serious. This is how, this is how the judge did these two idiots just because they couldn't come to agreement who was going to keep the vacuum cleaner pay half. He made them do like a change of custody for the vacuum cleaner every Friday. They I'm not kidding. They, they had a custody for, exchange for a vacuum cleaner in the parking lot of the BX at 4 o'clock every Friday. You keep it for a week, I keep no. it for a week. I'm dead serious. That's how stupid this was. 
And the bad thing about it is, after many divorces, girl, somebody else in the same squadron, same office, marries her. A week later. Can't say I haven't seen that in the military. And yeah, so that is a source of tension in the office. Right. And now every Friday, because I got to see your dumb tail again as we're exchanging this three four hundred dollar immaculate vacuum cleaner. I think it was that Hoover, the all metal one, with yeah. the, like eighteen attachments. I hope yeah. so. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm even talking to Vinny. How stupid is this? And he was like, and he, you know, you know, you're wrong when he keeps saying it's the principle. <laughs> so, like whatever. But yeah, they, yeah, that was a hot mess on Vinny. And as for yours truly, I got away with a lot of stuff because I worked as a bouncer <laughs> off base. All right. So, so you had dirt on people? Yeah. You had dirt on people and, you know, like I said, I don't want to necessarily say you get away with fighting, but <laughs> you, you could, you know what I mean? And toward the end, I got tired of, I was getting tired of it. I wanted out of my eyes. And it got to the point where it didn't necessarily have anything on me. But after the commander had a, back then he'd do Article 15 on, let's say, Thursdays or Fridays. And now it's considered, I can't find it, it's not hazing, not harassing. I think the technical term is unfavorable, not hostile work environment, but unfavorable work. It's something crazy yeah. they, they have now, some rule. Right. But back then when you got Article 15 and you got reduced in rank, you took your rank off right there. And the commander had a scene ripper in his desk. Right. So you went back to your duty section with your, with your stripes in your hand right. you know I mean? as a Simple. deterrent. And you're right, as a symbol of, look, I messed up. Right. And now I'm getting, you know, this is me coming back to y'all my, with my stripes in my hand. You know, I messed up, don't do this type stuff. And this, he did this every Friday. And there'd be like a wall of people who did dumb stuff during the weekend. Because, you know, <laughs> every Monday, you had the wall of people who did dumb stuff every weekend, DUIs. Yeah. It was so bad. And I'm not trying to get the, the, the military black eye, but early 90s, this is a common occurrence. Because I remember there would be a line of people on Monday about 10 o'clock going to change the DUI sign, you know, change the number oh, yeah. on it. I remember yeah. that. And it used to be really bad. Yes. Because honestly, back then, since we had an 18-year-old drinking waiver, and I don't get me wrong, they, back then they were trying to stem them, but it was difficult to do because these fools, you get drunk off base, on base, you just, you, they, they were trying to figure out a way to, to fix it. Right. Yes, it's cool, we really, it's legally you can drink, but how do we stop these idiots from getting DUIs or getting behind the wheels? So we had all these campaigns and it got to the point where they were, um, I guess that's how they, the, what's it called, AADD started, Airmen Against Drunk Driving, right. the, the, and that helped a lot. So, yeah, that helps, I guess, bring things back into balance. But up until then, <laughs> Monday morning, if you want free entertainment, you drive up to the gate and watch who was, who was changing the signs. <laughs> yeah, I'm oh, sorry, but as for yours truly, they really didn't, going back to what I was saying, they didn't have anything on me per se, but they knew I was around a lot of mess. So it got to the point with the shirt and the commander. They both of them like me, both of them respect me. They got to the point where they look based my son, you you are involved in too much. Right. If I hear your name one more time, you exactly, you out of here. That's pretty much where it got to. And I think I called my dad, you know, telling him about all this mess and he was like, Look, Dad, I, I can't help you. 
I can't put you through school, but I can help you. Better stay where you are. Yeah. And yeah, I think that that day I made a decision that hey, I'm the fool who has to put this uniform on, and nobody else does. I'm gonna get in trouble if something goes wrong. And yeah, that day I joined on the guard and <laughs> exactly. But from being almost put out to the guy they would call for, you know. Customs and I'm not customs and courtesy, but you know, dignified transfers and that type of stuff. Yeah, I had to do something to save my career because I was going down the wrong, wrong. Yeah, I was the last man standing. I guess in my little group of four or five of us, I was the last guy hanging around. So, did you change careers to public affairs after that, or was it farther down? That was further down the road. Oh, I know you yeah, were. I you went actually from, went to Korea. I went to Korea okay. in special operations. And what it was, I was being in doc. They gave me a chance to decide. They had a program back then. Um, I got assigned. Well, let's say I had orders to Osan, Korea, originally, as a supply troop. Okay. I think because I caused enough funk, somebody made a phone call because they were, and made sure I got. I don't want to say taken care of, <laughs> but. Yeah, gave me an opportunity to excel. That's what they call right, it. Right, yes. Usually it's painful, but... Yeah, right. since I made their, their job difficult, they were going to make mine difficult. Right. So they gave me a, a tour of special operations. And ultimately, I think what it was, was something to get rid of me. Because it was very it was a lot of tough training. It was land nav, survival school, um, some combat lifesaver stuff, hand-to-hand combat, stuff you don't do. In a normal nine to five Air Force. Right. You know what I mean? was that? I was trying to remember. Right, that's in the beginning. And I got diverted. When I got to Osan, they told me I was going to Camp Red Cloud. I had no idea where the heck that was. <laughs> and that was like two kilometers, two, maybe three kilometers from the DMZ. I'm way up north. You're at the, was it 604th Air Force? Right, 604th Air Support Operation. Okay. That was one of the, I would say, best assignments of my Air Force career. Because you were doing stuff that was out of the ordinary. You're doing, you know, ultimately what we were doing, <clears throat> I guess to put it in a nutshell, I was training with TACP back then, you know, Tactical Air Control Party. Now they're called yeah. JTAC, Joint Terminal Attack Controllers. Yes. And it's I guess, all the TACP. Yeah. It's a pretty way to say, I'm going to hold this beacon over my head and I'm going to have a laser beam pointing at this target saying, this is me, shoot that. Yeah. That's pretty much what, you, what we did. Right. And enough to explain it and lowest levels of terms. But the training that went with that and the equipment we got to use, because I was on one of the first teams that were using, we can talk about it now, we take it to some class, it was like 95. But we were using GPS. Oh, we were right. figuring out a way to... Yeah, it's common now, but yeah, it wasn't up, back Yeah, laser-guided munitions with yeah. global positioning systems. And we were, yeah, we used, it was funny back then because we had, you have to have so we had redundant systems. If I can't work with you over the radio, we have this laptop that I can communicate with you. If that doesn't work, I got a mirror. If that doesn't work, I got other ways I can signal you right. saying, "Hey, this is me. Shoot that." Yeah, I work and, with the yeah. Chinese in Germany too. Right. So you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was fun, and it was right up my alley because I was young. This type of stuff is, you know, I guess watching all these cartoons like G.I. Joe, not dating myself, but I really wasn't into G.I. Joe, but it was something different. I was used to the 9 to 5, 
working in the office, here delivering parts. Now here it is, I get to carry heavy weapons, camo paint. It was so funny because <clears throat> we had you know Air Force uniforms on, but we got to wear the Air Force flag and the two ID symbol. A two ID patch right. on the uniform. So, army, right. army. so we went to another base, and we also everybody had berets on too. So we went to another base. They didn't know who the heck we were, right. or what to do with us. So they didn't. Yeah, they, they still play. Yeah. So it, it struck. I don't want to say fear. Yeah, in awe. Thank you. That's one of the main reasons I played football because you wanted to be in the limelight. Right. But not knowing what you're doing, I guess at the time, or the spotlight is on you at all times. We had some. Funny, funny time. We also had some old crap moments over there too because when I was there, and we can talk about it because it's, it's been proven in history, we had 20 North Korean infiltrators. They crashed the sub and the, or the, I don't know if they crashed the sub intentionally or the sub just malfunctioned and crashed. But they had 20 of them that had infiltrated Seoul, Korea. And we were around, let's just say, 20 North Korean soldiers that infiltrated Seoul, and yeah, they needed to be tracked down. There you go. Right. And that's that type of stuff. And then, you know, being three kilometers away from the DMZ gives you a new perspective on what, I guess, gave me a, a taste of what war, quote unquote, is, is like. Because, you know, at the time when I joined, this is 90. You know, 93 to 95, it was peacetime, and you weren't worried about yeah. this type of mess. It's like Bosnia and all right. that. Right, that was way, way away. And there's a storm had wrapped up, and it was a fun and happy, I don't say fun and happy, that's a bad <laughs> choice of word, but it was, a, it was a fun Air Force at the time. And, you know, being in a special operations unit, when you're on an Army installation, and there's only like... I think they, we had, between us and the weather squadron, we had maybe 100, 100 Air Force people on a 5,000 plus Army garrison installation. Yeah. So we were few and far between, yeah. and I'm not the smallest guy on earth, <laughs> so when I get all geared up and full of myself, I guess the best way to say it, and you run around with the patches on the flag, and I got weapons and a beret on, they don't know how to take me, or to take us, because the guys in my squadron would hide behind me. Every time we go to the club, I'm with him. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we would have a great time. Yeah, of course, you had that service rivalry, but they they left us alone. We were around cavalry scouts. We were around army range. We actually right. even had a few berets, green berets up there. But they didn't bother us because they didn't know what the hell we did. They weren't sure. <laughs> and we like to keep that up. Uh, thank you. Yeah we, yeah, we had to keep that going. I barely knew anything more than they did, but they didn't know that for sure. And we didn't want to give them any ground to test it. So they just thought we were a bunch of K-Cuss, bad A's, I guess, running around. And we like to keep that uh, stigma going. <laughs> That's the end of part two. The last part is coming up shortly. You won't want to miss out as he describes some of his deployment experiences and life after the military and a little bit more about his family background. So please come out to the site, blackvalor.net. You can leave comments on the forum. You can email me at blackvalor1010 at gmail.com or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. See you then.